Good morning. Good morning. It's, it's good to see you. And yeah, let's get to it. Uh, this morning we'll focus on the on Paul's letter to Timothy, the second one, uh, the third chapter in particular. Uh, this this letter is, of course, written when Paul was in prison, and this is his last years. This is, and you can sense it from the tone of the letter that he understands that his time is nearing to an end. He says words like, for I'm already poured out like a drink offering. My time of departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight of faith. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. And you can sense the soberness in his tone that this man understands that his time is almost up. But before that, he has some things to say to his spiritual son, uh, who is Timothy. And these are some of the things which are also very helpful to us. And I'm grateful that he found time to, to actually pen this down. And I've come to appreciate this portion of scripture, especially in the day that we, we find ourselves in. And we will not be able to go through all of it today. And apparently I'll come back next week to finish it all up. How I'm going to do that, I don't know. But pray for me that I will be able to. It's just, it's a lot to go through. So we're okay with that. Second Timothy chapter 3. You're there. We'll start at verse 16, then we'll go up top. All scripture. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. I don't know which translation you read. My 1936 vendor will say, It's God whispered. Theneustos, or God breathed in other translations. All scripture is breathed out by God. Amen. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, and you can throw in there the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All, I don't know if you know this, but apparently all means all. All of it. Not just part of scripture. All scripture is God breathed. It the entirety of scripture. Not just the the passages we like. Amen. Not just the passages we feel comfortable with now. I drew up, I don't know if you'll be able to see from my slides. So what Paul is saying now, I, I drew up this diagram. I, I had Rick Warren preached on this, so I stole it and I put it in a diagram. So I'm declaring my plagiarism up front. So he says, all scripture is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine, a set of principles we as believers live by. That's like that path that we walk on. 
we don't get to say that scripture determines that. Amen. And he's also, he also says it's profitable for reproof. You see, I'm not sure, you, you might not see that little arrow. What is reproof? Reproof is telling you that you are getting off the path. That is the definition of reproof. And it's profitable for correction. So if the Bible just told you what you did wrong, it will not be sufficient. It tells you how to get back on the path. Amen? And also it instructs you in righteousness, staying on the path. So it's profitable for setting the path that you walk on. It tells you when you're getting off path. It tells you how to go back on the path and stay on the path. And obviously the condition is that scripture should actually be an authority for it to correct you and me. Amen. That's obviously there, that there are some things. If there are things which you feel this is not talking to me, then it is not able to reprove. It is not able to correct. So when we come together in a setting like this, my opinion matters very little. I, I have fantastic opinions. <laughs> but they will not help you. I can tell you what I think, but it is not profitable to you. We go to the scripture for that reason, because we are all under the same authority of the same scripture. Amen. So, it is not your heavenly father, your loving heavenly father made sure that he gave you scripture. He laid out a path for you to walk on so you don't have to go through life guessing. You do not have to go through life guessing how to behave because he laid out a path for you. You don't have to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine that comes along. You don't have to be tossed around by popular opinions of the day because he has already set out scripture for you. Are we still together this morning? Now that we laid all of that, let's go back to the top of the chapter so that we understand the context within Paul was speaking here. So, we, we obviously understand that this, this was one letter. The, when, when scripture is written, there were no chapter and verses. Amen. It was just one letter. Like, when, when you write a letter, you don't say chapter one. Introduction. Chapter 2, you don't do the first one. It, it was just all, when we used to receive letters, it was when my friends used to receive letters. <laughs> Not me. It wasn't me. They told me they used to receive letters. I believe them. And apparently when you receive it, there are things you used to do before you read it. But that was their version. I didn't verify it. But I believe them. So even this letter works the same way. So because you read 
as, as he starts from the top, he says, but know this, so you know it's continuing from somewhere else. Verse 1. So th these are, this just warning, these are some tough verses. So hold on to your weaves. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. He says, be guaranteed, know this. You can cash this in. Know this for sure that perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous. I wonder which generation is talking about here because we... We don't know these people. We lovers of self and boasters, proud people. Do we know any of these people around us now? Disobedient to parents. I'm just reading what I'm not sure if you're reading the same thing. That's I'm reading this. It says unthankful, unholy, unloving unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I told you to, to, to hold on to, because yeah, it's having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. And for this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now as Janice and Jambes resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind disapproved concerning the faith but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also as Janus and James so he's comparing these modern day people as, as, as those people but you verse 10 but you have carefully followed my doctrine manner of life purpose faith long suffering love perseverance persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecution I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, but you, must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. End of chapter. Amen. We can say that the benediction now. Is, you, you got it. One thing that when we, we read scripture, even as we follow the, the ministry of, of Jesus, you will always find him drawing a distinction between his people and other people. He will say, he will start off by saying, you have heard it was said. You have heard it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, as in he's, he's drawing a distinction, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He will say things like, you see how they pray. They multiply words, but you, when you pray, go to your closet, lock your closet. You, when you fast, don't be like them. You do it this way. When you give, don't give like they do. When you forgive, Amen. I, I hope you look to me, you look at me like this is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. You have read, I'm not telling you fables, right? You have read where Jesus is instructing his disciples. It's, so the New Testament starts in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where Jesus was talking. So just go read it. Amen. That's where he's giving instructions. And he would point things like, you know, people of this world, they lord their authority over their subjects. But you, for you, let the greatest among you be a servant. So, in that scheme, similar to what Paul is saying, we see clearly him drawing a distinction when he's speaking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, listen. And we would like to think, obviously, that we are, we are Tim Timothy. We, we are part of what he's saying to Timothy. Amen? We would at least like to believe that. So he's saying some things. And this is very, very important because this distinction is not just making it up. He's saying, I'm speaking to you. This might, these other people might not be able to get it, but Timothy, listen to what I have to say. There are times that are coming which will be perilous, is difficult to bear. Times will come where it will be difficult to bear. And with each generation that passes, it's important to notice that you will always see signs parallel to what Paul is saying here that when you look at this list, and what we are living in, you understand that Jesus is coming back. Amen? And the interesting thing is, even if it takes another thousand years, the statement Jesus is coming back will still be true. And there is no generation which can say we were not warned. There is no generation which can say, you know what, the signs were just never there. 
each generation lives with the conviction looking at what Paul is saying here and what is out there that Jesus is coming back very soon. Amen. I know that it's, sometimes it's not fun to think about that, but it's true. And as believers, that's a very good thing. When you read this list, you actually want Jesus to come back. I'm talking to another crowd that just looks at me like, are you sure he should come back? Yes, he should. Yes, he should. And there is a lot to go through, but what Paul, can, what Paul is actually saying and what, can, what we can just summarize from all that he described from people that he said is what you will see is people actually being lovers of themselves. That's, you, you see that everything else actually flows from people just being fascinated and centered around themselves. Self-centeredness, everything, the love of money, just it flows out from that. People actually saying, we are our own God. Amen. And even when you look at the Garden of Eden, that's what actually started the whole thing, where people felt like, we want to be God. And the tempter said, your eyes will be open. You will be just like God. And from that time up to today, you don't have to teach anyone to be selfish. There are no classes to how to be selfish. Children are just born selfish. By nature, we are all that. And this is where it is very satanic to tell people, just be yourself. Whatever feels right, do it. And actually, if we look at our culture today, it's like self-centeredness is the curriculum of the day. If you're not thinking of yourself, you're doing something wrong. You have to, whatever. if I go to somewhere and they're not catering for my needs, I don't like this, I leave. And even the, the, the focus, what people are, those who are elevated and celebrated, they are those who say, me, team me. I do whatever I do for me. Amen? And he, he throw this thing of disobedient to parents but you guys are obedient to, to parents so we're not. but here is the interesting thing and this is where I feel for teachers if people are disrespectful, disrespectful to their own parents what do you think they will do when they go out there but anyway this not here Not here. So, and then he, he does mention uh, these two people, Janice and Jambers. Do you know Janice and Jambers? You want to know about Janice and Jambers? Like now. Do you want to know now? <laughs> so, we don't find the mention by name in the, in the Hebrew text, but we have reasons to believe that, you know when Moses and, and, and Aaron showed up before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh also had his people, 
these magicians, these were Janice and Jambas. Yeah, that's, that's what we learned from tradition. So what they actually did was as, as Moses and Aaron performed miracles, they also had their counterfeit miracles. And the turning of the snake, they did that. And turning water into blood, they also did that. You would have thought that they would actually just reverse the, the, that miracle, but they did not. The frogs, they did that. But he says, yeah, they will not be able to resist any further. But by the third plague, they could not keep up with God's miracles. And this is why I don't understand why people perform fake miracles. Because fake miracles are just not sustainable. At some point, the jig comes up. It, it comes to you, you just cannot sustain it. So it says, even as those people do, these people who puff themselves up actually cannot resist God any further because at some point, the authentic, the authentic, that you do not have to actually manufacture anything. If God is not doing anything, he's just not doing anything. Amen? Now, let me just find where I am. So in verse 12, again, we are walking through just what he says. He says something very critical. I'm just putting all this together so that when we conclude, we are able to follow where we, where we went. He says, verse 12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That just blesses you, doesn't it? He says, do not be surprised if you standing up for what is right lends you into trouble. Paul says, expect it. It might not happen to everyone, but when it does, don't be surprised. Immediately when you stand up for what is right, you are in a collision course with culture, popular opinion, sometimes even businesses. Just try it. Go, in, go into public or social media and say there are two genders. <laughs> try it. See, see how that will end up. Just say that there are two genders. They are male and female. See how that, just say marriage is between a man and a woman. See if they will not cancel you with immediate effect. Says, expect all who, all who decide to stand up for Christ will suffer persecution. It's just that at this time, they were being killed. In our time, it's just slender and defaming. It's not, we might think it might not be as severe, but you will see just how people retract when they are challenged on what is true. Amen. Because they have followers, you see. They have sponsors, they are businesses that they can lose if they stand up for what is right. And he, said, he lists a list of persecution, and you can just take the, this, 
uh, these chapters down in Acts 13, verse 50. It says in Antioch, referring to Antioch, where he was kicked out of the city for preaching the gospel. And in Iconium, where he was almost ex executed for preaching the gospel. In Lystra, where he was stoned and left for dead for preaching the gospel. And just, just so that also you know that the Lord Jesus did say this in John 15, 19. He says, if the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If you do find yourself ostracized and thrown out, not being popular because you're standing up for what is true, don't be surprised. Young people, I know you want to keep the clique, you want to be popular, you want to, to be in with the culture, but you are called to a different culture. You are called to a different culture. This is what he's saying, that Timothy was also young when he's writing, he was receiving this. Even older people, it does not matter. Everyone actually at some point feels the pressure of standing up for what is true. And there is this thing in our culture which I don't understand it, my truth. It's very nonsensical and illogical because there is no my truth. There is just the truth. It's just what is true. I am standing here talking to you. That is true. It's not your truth or my truth. So we have been warned by the scriptures telling you what to expect to come. And he says this, and I don't know how you reason with this. He says, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. But he's in jail. I, I don't, I still, I'm trying to figure out what you mean because if it was me in jail, I would have thought the Lord has abandoned me. But he says, uh, the Lord delivered me from all of those. So if you do land into trouble for what is speaking, actually standing up for what is right, it does not necessarily mean it might end well. Let me pass. And again, just one thing that, and as, 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 as we are nearing to, to where we're supposed to go is, you will understand that what he's saying here and what we know is that the world around us will not necessarily get any better. Amen. Sometimes we are fooled by technology and we're able to do all of these things just without, I mean, you can put in a full eight-hour shift without leaving your house. And we think, man, technology is great, the world is, but as, as amazing as those things are, people's hearts are not getting any better. That, that's, that's, that's the issue. And more critically now is as believers, as us who are reading this and understand the time, 
how we actually act is very critical. Because we might think you can immerse yourself into culture or totally remove yourself, but I don't think that's, that's what is being preached here totally. Because if we look at the culture around us and say, well, but they're going to hell anyway. Why bother? Why even bother? They look like they will reject God anyway. But this distinction that he draws between dividing us and them, and I know that this might be a serious curveball, is I don't think that even Jesus was saying, be better than the world. I don't think he was saying, outperform the world. I don't think he's saying, take this list and check if you are, doing, you are not doing any of these things, then you're good. He's not saying, try harder. He's not saying, be the exact, whatever you see them do, do the opposite. Amen. And if we were honest, sometimes that's kind of what it feels like we should do. Just whatever they're doing, we do the opposite. Christianity is not a try-hard religion. Christianity is, is not a be-better-than-them religion. And if we were to be honest, whatever he wrote there, I mean, wouldn't it be great if when we were saved, we did not have to battle with any of those things? If we were to be honest some of those things are still there. We are still battling with them every day. Just it's me and Bonatal who are still battling with them. The rest of you, the rest of you and Kennedy. <laughs> but that's not what it's like. Listen to what he says in First Corinthians chapter 6. This is another tough passage of scripture. Verse 9. So let me just check. Verse 9, you're there. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Just, I don't know what it it does something to me, but when he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't, don't even be fooled. Don't think there is a gray area here. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexual, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor Covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I'm glad I'm just reading. You, you, you do with that with what, what you want with that. And such, listen to this. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. So he's writing this to people who are able to recognize that was me. And he says, but you were washed. But you were sanctified. 
but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. He says, here is what I'm telling you. Look, idolaters, adulterers, drunkards, you can look at them and say, well, that's bad, but you recognize that that was you? But not anymore. As in, there is actually hope for those people because when you look at yourself, you also were, were in that boat, but God delivered you from there. God delivered you from destruction. And he says, you were justified. You were made right. You did not come there with a plan to save yourself. So when you do look at an adulterer, a drunkard, and you're tempted to think, they're just going to hell. Remember, you also were on your way to hell. Amen? And it's the same compassion that was showed to us, we show to them. And you, when you look, sometimes it just feels hopeless when you look at the brokenness around us, the corruption. And boy, the corruption. The corruption. And it's darkness everywhere. But where else will they get the light if not from you? Where else would light shine into darkness if we, as Paul says, but you? You can see them. They, they've already decided to reject God, but you. You were justified. You have been made right. You have been set apart. When you look at them, some compassion. Because such were some of you. Such, when I look at that, that was me. Amen? And listen to Matthew verse 9 as, as we close. So we'll pick it up from... from verse 10 next, next week as, as, we, as we wrap up. Matthew 9 verse 36 says, but when he saw the multitude, this is Jesus, he was moved with compassion for those people. He was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful by the laborers of you. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you that your word is true, Lord. Your word convicts us. We thank you so much, Lord, that your word sets a way for us, a path for us to walk in. Father, wherever it finds us, we pray that 
it will be able to direct us. Where we have gone off path, Lord, it will be able to correct us and bring us back. Perfect us, Lord, in what you have purposed for us. We pray for ourselves, Lord, as a church, that you'll be able to use us in these last days. We pray that you'll be able to prepare us, Lord, for the harvest. We pray that you'll be, be able to prepare us to reach out to the world that is lost around us. We pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.